are listening to the Performers and Creators Lab podcast. I'm your host, Holly Shaw, hypnotherapist, best-selling author, and creativity coach, helping you to find your edge. Hey there, listeners. So if you were to close your eyes right now, only do it if you're not driving, But if you were to close your eyes right now and think through your life and think of one story that you are most afraid, that you are most terrified of sharing with the world, maybe for fear of how it makes you look or for fear of people finding you out, what would that story be? What story in the history of your life do you keep most secret? Got it? All right. So now imagine if instead of hiding that story, you decide instead to tell it. That you decide to revisit that story, to poke at it, to ask questions, explore it, create with it, and find those hidden jewels inside of it. Imagine telling your biggest, scariest secret on stage. Wow. I think that we often, sometimes subconsciously even, shy away from telling these deepest, scariest stories. And yet, and yet, they are often the juiciest and they are often the most important stories that the world needs to hear. So if you had to write and star in your own show right now, what stories would you choose to tell? And are you leaving out the best parts? These are things that I got to thinking about when I interviewed my guest today, Kelly Kramer. All right. She is the host of the Emmy nominated Iowa Outdoors on Iowa Public Television. She's a lifelong singer and actress. And I know this uh, and I know her because Kelly was actually my sister's roommate in college. And I've kind of kept an eye on her ever since. So um, but the reason I actually decided to have her on the show is because Kelly recently debuted a cabaret titled All the Good Men Are Gay where she shares the personal story of her nine-year marriage to a gay man, including what she knew, when she knew it, and how they tried to make it work. Now, at some point, I don't know when I knew, right? I've known, I've known her. She was with this man in college, so I knew the two of them together, and I don't know when I knew. Uh, you know, I'm growing up in Indiana, There's not a lot of openness around gay and, you know, uh, LGBTQ issues there um, when I was growing up. But I think at some point it traveled through the grapevine to my sister that Kelly and her husband had split. And I think at that point, you know, uh, we talked about or we knew for sure you know, why, Um, or maybe we only thought we knew why. We knew one piece of it. But um, so years later... When I saw, fast forward to years later, when I saw that Kelly was doing this show, I just thought, how fucking brave. 
Like, how fucking brave to tell that story. Of all the stories you can tell if you're going to put together a cabaret, if you're going to write and star in your own production, you know, you have a lot of choices. And the fact that she chose to do this, I thought was really, really risky, really brave, and probably the most important story she could tell. At least off the top. At least from my perspective. What do I know? I don't know her life. <laughs> but anyway, suffice to say, um, we had a great conversation. It's fascinating to hear from someone who was willing to tell this kind of a story about her life. And, and also, I think it's helpful for all of us to hear, you know, how she considered it, the considerations that went into it. How do you choose material that's not going to um, bash the people that are involved, right? Like, how do you balance um, what you're willing to tell and what you're willing to not tell? Uh, so I thought it was an interesting conversation. So this is me talking with Kelly Kramer. So let's talk about your show. Last month, you just completed your one-person show, All the Good Men Are Gay. So, hmm, let me guess. What is it about? (laughs) Well... Um, I'm sure this will come as a shock, uh, but it's about gay men because I was married for nine years to a gay man. And um, for context, for the people who don't know me, um, I am a straight woman. So we had what some people would call a mixed orientation marriage. So, so it's about that marriage coming together, falling apart, what I knew when I knew it, how I found things out. um, And then some things I've learned along the way from having been in it and having left it. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a big topic. Yeah. To, and, and, you know, I, I live in the Bay area, so not that Iowa, I mean, I, you know, the whole world is progressing, but like I live in an extremely progressive bubble. So even here, I would find that to be a, um, a hard topic, maybe because I'm from the Midwest. How was that doing a show like that in Iowa? Like, do you, um, do you feel like it was well received? It was, yeah. I mean, it went over really well. I think um, part of the reason I wanted to do it is because when people find that out about my history, they have a whole list of questions. And so for the, you know, 11 years since we've been apart, I've been answering the same questions for people. People I know really well, complete strangers who overhear things at a bar and work their way into the conversation because they're curious. Um, so I knew that people had a natural curiosity about the situation. Um, and I would say that um, Iowa has pockets that are not as progressive as others, but I do live in Des Moines and it, it's a pretty progressive part of Iowa. Um, I mean, Iowa was early in the whole um, legalizing gay marriage movement and all of that. So, um, so I would say that it, it had a lot of appeal to people in Des Moines. People were interested in calling a lot and asking about the show. So um, I don't think it was an inherent turnoff to people in town. Cool. So it was successful then. Yeah. Yeah. We sold out. We had to turn people away. We've got another date. It's great. Yay. Yay. That's awesome. So you're going to do this show again. Yes. Yep. We have a date in January and we're talking about how it might have some legs where we might take it or when or how. Um, So that's kind of the next thing for it. What is it to take it somewhere else? And can we do that with the same band or not? Or do you do something different with it? Um, So that's kind of what I'm exploring next. Cool. So this isn't your first 
trip to this. I mean, you've been performing a long time. You've been acting and on stage a long time. Can you give us some of those highlights? I suppose I could say <laughs> them in your intro too, but um, yeah. I mean, I know you because our, my sister was on stage with you at, in, at Franklin College in Indiana um, many years ago. So, and I remember how much you lit up the stage, Aww. you know, when you were on it back then. So you've been doing, have you been doing theater and TV now since then or? Yeah, I, uh, so I've, I do plays and musicals as much as I can. Um, I did them in Indiana. Um, well, growing up, I did as much as I could in my small town in Indiana, went to college for theater and psychology. So did as much there as I could. And then after graduating, did things in the Indianapolis area, um, on stage and on camera, like commercials and industrial stuff. And then moving to Des Moines in 2002, I started doing plays and musicals here in town, um, working with an agent, doing commercial work here. Um, and I, I work with a studio now and do a lot of voiceover work and, um, and then IPTV work um, for Iowa Outdoors. So um, I sing a lot when I can with different people in town too. So um, this wow. kind of like a progression of that, you know, doing your own thing, singing, telling some personal stories. Yeah, you're really doing a lot. Yeah, as much as you can. It's very hard in a market like Des Moines to earn your living solely as a performer, um, even cobbling together gigs. I know a couple of people who are musicians who can do it, but I know it's, it's very hard for them. Um, so usually people have a day job and then you're doing this all on the side as side gigs. And is that, is that what you're doing too? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm a project manager with a marketing agency by day and do just about anything else I can by night. <laughs> oh, that sounds familiar. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, so let's talk about, let's go back to this show because I feel like of all the stories in a person's life, you know, when you, when I, th I think when a person sets out to do a one person show, they're really like thinking what, what's, what's the story I want to tell, you know, what's the most riveting thing I can put on stage or what is it that I want to put on stage? And I find so often like artists, they want to, they want to give like half the, half the story or they want to, you know, they don't want to, they don't want to touch on the topic. That's really that everybody really wants to know about, you know, that could be the hottest topic. And when I saw the name of the show and the picture of you in the wedding dress with your head in your hand, I was like, holy shit. Like I want to fly to Iowa and see this show. Like she is putting her laundry on the lawn. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> yeah. And so I want to know like, what made you decide to tell this story in particular? Um, well, first I would say that, I knew I wanted to do a cabaret of some sort. I wanted to start creating some of my own stuff, my own creative outlets. Um, and cabaret was something I was really excited about. I wanted to sing. I wanted to tell stories, you know, solo in the spotlight Barbie with the microphone, right? Um, and so I was talking to my co-host of Iowa Outdoors, Scott, and said, so I can either tell this story about my marriage or I can do something way easier that's going to be faster to put together, won't break my heart and my brain, and just see how that goes. And then if it goes well, then I'll go to the big one. And he said, okay, sure. But let's say you only get one shot. Let's say you get one night. It doesn't go well. No one ever asks you to do this again. Which one are you going to feel better about having done? 
And I was like, oh, well, then, yeah, I have to do the big one. I have to really do it. Um, so that was kind of the impetus to say, okay, well, then I'm committing. And if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. Um, there's no point in doing it without really being honest and vulnerable and hopefully brave in the way I'm telling it. Um, and, it, you know, I was putting my laundry out on the lawn, but it was like a curated laundry list. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, cause I also, I set parameters for myself up front, but I, I wasn't going to mention my ex-husband by name. He lives in Des Moines also. And I knew there would be people coming who would know both of us. Um, so I wanted to be respectful of him in the process while still being true to my experience. Um, so I wasn't mentioning him by name. I wasn't, um, looking for ways to drag him or disparage him. Um, that the focus was on me and my feelings and my experience from beginning to end, um, without really revealing things that he would maybe be hurt by having revealed by someone else um, in such a public way. Um, so it was, it was a curated honesty of sorts, um, but it still required a lot of vulnerability and a willingness to go there. Um, but I also thought, what's the point of doing it if I don't do that? Yeah, totally. Did you get his permission to do it or no? Uh, no, <laughs> um, no. But uh, about a week before tickets went on sale, I knew that he would find out one way or another. And I'd rather that he find out for me. So I reached out to him and said, hey, remember a few years ago when I said I wanted to do a cabaret show of some sort? Well, surprise, I'm doing one and it's this one. And, you know, I told him about my writing parameters and um offered to answer as many questions or address any concerns that he had so that he would hopefully not feel badly about it. Like I wanted him to feel comfortable with the fact that it was happening. Um, and so then there were a couple of nervous days where he didn't respond and then he did and he was supportive and said that he did feel apprehensive, but that he was trusting me and that he said, I mean, honestly, if somebody else were doing this, I'd go, I'd be really excited. So you should do it. Um, and then he wound up coming. So that was kind of a whole other ball of wax. Wow. He came to see it. He did. He and his partner came to see the show and um, he was very supportive leading up to it. And, um, you know, you could tell that he was nervous, um, but he had really good things to say afterwards. And um, I think he and I have connected a little bit in new ways from it. So mm. um, Maybe so seeing was, your experience like laid out like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think there were things there that he didn't know or hadn't considered or hadn't thought about. And um, so, yeah, I think it was good for both of us. Um, yeah. And I think it was good because it, it kept me honest in what my original intention was, because once I knew he'd be in the room, then it did make me think through, okay, is this still really you know, is this too much information? If if he were to say this about me on stage, how would I feel? And um, without really making me change the story, it did keep me honest in what I set out to do. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Did you ever get scared or blocked in the mounting of it? Like, <laughs> yeah, the whole time. <laughs> How's the show going? I'm like, oh, I'm in the crippling self-doubt phase right now. Um, yeah, I... The reality is maybe a year before the show, when I started to really dig into it, I essentially had it. I just didn't trust that I had it. And so over the course of the year, it was running things past people and getting feedback and seeing what other people thought about this, that, or the other. And I kept waiting for some magical key to come from somebody 
which of course it didn't. Um, so I just, I, I think that I really learned that I needed to trust my gut all along. Um, I mean, I think it's good to get feedback from people and to, to gauge reactions, but, um, but I felt blocked the whole time. But the reality is the show I performed is really the show I outlined a year ago and it didn't really change much. Um, you know, there were slight tweaks here and there, but, um, but the whole time I was a wreck, just sure that everything was wrong and I couldn't move forward. And, um, yeah, yeah. Wow. And how, how did you, how did you keep moving though? Like, how did you get through that and keep working on it? Um, you know, deadlines are fun things when there's a date and you know, you're going to stand on stage and you either have something or you don't, uh, that's kind of an amazing motivator <laughs> <laughs> or, um, you line up the band and everyone has crazy schedules. So, um, we had our band rehearsal set a couple months before we really had them, but I also realized, well, if we're going to, have people play songs I have to set the set list and it has to stay the same so um things like that really forced me to lock some things down mm -hmm. um but the reality is outside of just kind of generally saying to people I'm going to talk about this and then maybe this and then we'll take the break and then I'll cover this this and this when we come back I didn't rehearse any of the story part in front of anyone it was kind of improved in a way in front of the audience I mean I kind of rehearsed it to myself but wow yeah I don't know I every time I thought about running it with someone it felt weird and stilted since so much of it is you know feeling the room um so I don't know I, I probably should have but didn't it was kind of winging it I guess a little bit um so you didn't have a director you directed yourself yeah um there were some people who offered and I was open to it and we couldn't make schedules line up. So really outside of my friend, Ben, who was the pianist. And so he was really music directing the music. The rest of it was on me. Um, I talked to some different people about, okay, so here's my story structure. Here's what I'm thinking. Um, but outside of that, there weren't, I wrote out the story for myself, but there weren't lines to memorize. It wasn't a, um, like I wasn't reciting a script, I guess I would say. I knew what the point was. I knew what the important line is that I wanted. And I knew generally when I would cue the song. Um, but outside of that, it was about feeling the room. And um, there were things in the moment that night that I would, I chose not to say or added something in. And um, yeah, kind of, I mean, it feels a little bit like, I, well, you know this more than I do, doing comedy, like stand-up. You know, people have an act and you write it and you rehearse it and you run it. But, um, I mean, are you working with a director when you do that sort of thing? Or are you kind of working with, you know, fellow comedians and kind of seeing how things feel and bouncing? Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't, I'm not at the point where I get a director for my stand-up. I wish, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, so, I, I think I saw the story part of it a little more like that. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting that you, um, that you winged part of it. That, I mean, you knew you had the outline, you knew what you were going to talk about, but you didn't, uh, you didn't rehearse it for other people. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, so what, um, well, and in that way too, I guess you give yourself more license for that part of it to shift and evolve too throughout the run. Right. I mean, how, how many, yeah performances it, did you do it was a one night performance oh yeah like it was one night it was a uh, like two one hour sets with a break 
Um, and then we're, we booked it again and we're looking at where else to book it. So, um, so yeah, this is really in its infancy, but we're hoping that it has some legs. Ooh, bring it to San Francisco tour. Right. <laughs> we'll start our tour. It's going to be great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's people here that would love that. Right. 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 Well, and I, I, one of the best pieces of advice I got from someone because I, I am not perfect, but I battle perfectionism in my head, which then causes me to just stop and not do things. Um, someone pointed out, think of it as a workshop. Don't think of it as like, this is a one night thing and it's got to be perfect. Hmm. Um, you're workshopping it, right? So you're trying it out and you'll make adjustments based on how it goes. And then that gives you permission for it to not be perfect. Hmm. Um, so I really hung on to that as I was working on it. And even that night on stage, there were moments in my head, like, it's okay. You're just workshopping it. You'll gauge how this goes later. So just keep hmm. going. Um, so that was really helpful. That kind of took me out of my head about it. I, while I was writing it, I did read your book just, and it was kind of happenstance that those things were happening at the same time, but it was also perfect timing. Um, and I really appreciated the section that talked about, you know, that there are periods where you're inhaling and you're taking things in and it's okay that you're maybe not creating because you're gathering information. Um, because I was just, I think, really stressed that I wasn't actively creating and putting things out there and putting things on paper and moving forward. But I also knew every day I was listening to new songs and trying to, you know, so I think it gave me permission to inhale uh, when I was really not giving myself permission to. Um, so I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Hey, I'm so glad. Yeah, you told me that before, but I wasn't going to make you give me a plug. I just thought oh. I'd wait for it to come. <laughs> no, I'm happy to give you a plug. Um, no, it was, it was very helpful. Um, because I was really struggling with. So for listeners that don't know, Kelly is talking about my book, The Creative Formula. No. <laughs> <laughs> Have you read The Creative Formula? And, you know, I did finish it and posted about it. And then I had a couple of people say, I just bought it. I can't wait to read it. So. Oh, cool. There you go. You got like two Des Moines sales out of it. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Is there anything like surprising that you learned in the creating of this? Like, did you learn more about your own experience? Um, yeah, I think it forced me to revisit that relationship in a way I hadn't. So just from a personal making peace with choices you make in your life and how you move forward from them. Um, I think I have enough hindsight at this point to kind of evaluate all of those choices and be kinder to myself about them. Um, so I think that was really valuable. I think just from an artistic standpoint, it did teach me to trust my gut a little more than I usually do. Um, there's a, there, there was a, a power from telling your own story that I just wasn't prepared for that has been a nice byproduct of it. Um, kind of taking ownership of that and how you tell it and what you tell and, um, not in changing it, but just in the ownership of your own narrative was really nice. Mm -hmm. um, and I did not expect the emotional connection some people in the audience had with it. Um, so you also realize then by sharing your story, you're connecting with other people and their story and the way you all connect together in that. Um, there were people I, there were several people in the room I knew. 
Um, and out of some of the people I knew, there were people who surprised me by saying part of your story is part of my story and they wanted to talk about it. And I had no idea. Um, and there were people I didn't know at all who stopped me afterwards to say that, that they had a similar experience um, and wanted to talk about it. So I wasn't prepared for that. I think I was so focused on, can I sing these songs and get through it? And hopefully people feel entertained that I didn't expect the emotional connection that it would have with people. So that was really nice and eye-opening. Wow. It's almost like you could hold a little, now that you know that you could, um, maybe the next time you do it, when you take it on tour, (laughs) you can have like an adjunct meeting for people or get, you know, connection, um, just, uh, you know, a Q and a or something a little bit more warm and fuzzy than a Q and a afterwards, you know, something where people can, can, can talk to each other and kind of, Oh, she might have that, you know, and connect with other people that have that story and have been through something like that. Right. Right. For sure. Um, I think in doing research for the show, um, you realize there aren't really statistics about, um, mixed orientation marriages that are consistent or clear because some people are in them and don't know they're in them. Some people um, don't want to self-report. Some people have shame or embarrassment about it. And some people just feel like it was a part of their past they don't want to talk about. Um, But I think the reality is there are a lot more of us on either side of that relationship Mm -hmm. than people realize. Yeah. Yeah. As you're, as you're speaking that too, I realize like, it's something I hadn't really thought about, but like the, the, but I'm very attracted to (laughs) anything that heals shame. You know, I think we hold a lot of shame in our culture around sex, especially, and, um, you know, just being the country that we are not having a, a lot of openness about it. And, you know, it's, it's getting better supposedly. Right. But still, I think there's so, it's so charged and I think for so many of us, um, it, it does create like, you know, this sort of shame bubble and you just going out there and sharing it. And, you know, even as you talk about it, you've, you know, you wrote this thing, you put it out there in the world and I can still watching your face, I can still like feel the tenderness around it, you know? <laughs> sure. Yeah. 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 But that's beautiful. Well, they, oh, Thanks. Yeah. I imagine that that also like comes off on stage too, you know, like it's, it's meaningful to you and it's, it's still tender, I think. Yeah, I think so. And I, I kind of hope that it does come across on stage um, because not only do I tell my story, um, but I try to point out that really so many people think of it as a situation that's a sitcom trope um, that, that it's a punchline. It's a joke. And so part of the show is in little nuggets throughout trying to point out that people start marriages for all sorts of reasons. It's not a punchline and that maybe we shouldn't be treating it as one. I mean, there are funny situations for sure, but like understanding that all marriages deserve the same kind of respect as any other one. And regardless Mm -hmm. of the reasons people are in them, that's up to them. Let people figure out their own thing. Um, because there are some really ridiculously invasive, hurtful things that people will say because they think it's funny and that I'm going to laugh about it. And so I point some of those out in the show. Um, so in the end, I think I'm hoping that people take away like, 
if love is love is love, then so is love and respect for people's choices and the partners they choose and let them figure that out. Um, and that, that ultimately like keep choosing love, right? Like mm-hmm. even if you chose love and it didn't work, keep choosing love. Cause at some point you're still getting good things from that. Um, which is one of the end messages of the show that someone said to me when I was getting divorced, you made the choices you did out of love. And even if it didn't pan out, choosing love is not the wrong choice. So keep choosing love, which I'm like, oh, yay. Um, <laughs> I know. Um, I was not emotional when I said that during the show. I don't know why I'm emotional about it now, but, um, but I mean, I, when putting the show together, I thought, yeah, I can tell my own story, but then it's just, it has to be more than just, here's this thing that happened to me in my life because otherwise it just feels so egocentric. So if I can pack a goodie bag for each audience member to take home, what's in that goodie bag. So I wanted there to be something more to it than just here, take a look at my laundry. Um, So I'm hoping, and it does seem like some of the responses I've gotten that, that people are looking in the goodie bag and taking something more home than just, and then Kelly said that on this date, this happened to her. Or she did this and here's what happened, but that there's something more they can reflect on in their own life and with other people in their own lives. Yeah. Well, because you took the time to look for those universals, you know, you're the, you took the time to go, you know, what, what would this mean to other people? Like, how can we all learn from something like this? Yeah. 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 So you kind of took the time to step back and do that. I think that's really generous. Um. Yeah, I mean, I'm just remembering because you were you you and my and my sister were roommates, and so I saw you and and your ex husband quite a bit <laughs> before he was your husband, and I just remember like thinking that you guys were so in love, like you were so best friends, you know what yeah. I mean? And it was like such a beautiful thing to see, and to this day, I think it probably imprinted on me like. Uh, I hadn't even realized it till I started thinking about it, but it, I think it's definitely imprinted on me, like something I'm still looking for in a partner, or I'm hoping that I'm finding right now, but um, which is like a best friend, you know, I think that there was really, there's a lot of beauty and a lot of love there that was evident to everyone. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, absolutely. There was. And I think some of that is still there. Um, and so that's kind of the interesting thing I think he and I are tapping into and realizing, um, in off- him offering me support in the show along the way, and then me trying to still kind of hold it tenderly and tell the story. It's been really interesting because then I'm thinking back on those things and not necessarily some of the things that happened when it ended. And it's been really nice to reflect right. on. I, and you know, Feel free to edit this out, but I've been trying to remember there was something you said when you came to our house at Martin Place. Like, I remember you were on the couch, our big blue velveteen couch, and you like were glowing. And then you said something about like, that's the man you're going to marry or something like that. And I was like, <laughs> right. and then I did. I did. I you did. And I, I don't even remember why you were over. You were visiting and I think he stopped by. And we were all just laughing about something and he left. And I, it was one of those moments where I was like, is he? Maybe? Oh my God, I hadn't thought about that. 
Yeah. Wow, that's so weird. weird. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I saw the love. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right, my love, I'm going to go hobble into the kitchen and tell direct my son to make dinner. So I'll see you later. Okay, good to see you. You too. Bye. Bye. So that was Kelly Kramer, the writer and star of the cabaret performance, All the Good Men Are Gay, which John Busby for the Culture Buzz called her lightning in a bottle performance. So, hey, I hope we all get to see this show. It sounds amazing, doesn't it? But you, but more importantly, you, you there listening, what? What'd you get from this? Are you inspired now? Is there a story that, you know, like, I, maybe I could, maybe, what? I, you know, why not? I could, maybe, maybe I could tell that story. It wouldn't be so bad. Would it be so bad? Maybe it's the story we all need to hear. Or maybe it's the story we're all dying to hear. Whatever. I think you should dig a little deeper today. See where you can take more risks and share more because you're awesome. So keep creating, keep sharing your light with the world. I love you so much wherever you're listening from. Have a great and brilliant week and uh, be sure to keep listening. I want to thank you all for listening and thank Dan Cantrell for the amazing music in this podcast. My name is Holly Shaw.